Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times of ours. And in today's episode, Benji and I are unpacking the conversation of what does it mean to be an owner versus a renter of your own sexuality? You see, this conversation came up because so many people believe that somebody somewhere will come to save them and heal them of their misery. When in fact, it's we and we alone who cause our own misery by the things we focus on, by the things we do. And if there's anybody who's going to save us, it's going to be us. But we have to fully own our mistakes. And we also need to fully own our power and all of our potential. All of which is sometimes kind of scary. So Benji and I are just going to get into what does it mean to actually be an owner? And what does it mean to be a renter? And how can you take charge of your sexuality and fully own it? So let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Love, Life, and Legacy podcast by High Noon. We have Mr. The Drewman Andrew Love here with us. How you doing, Andrew? Good, buddy. We have Andrew, myself, Benji here, and we're going to be talking about what it means to be a, an owner of your sexuality and versus being a renter of your sexuality. And this is something that Andrew here wanted to talk about. So if you can just describe what, what led you down this thought train and, and what you want to talk about. I was just talking to somebody. I'm an accountability partner for one person. Don't ask me. If I'm not already your accountability partner, don't ask me. We got enough on our plate. But I decided I've known this guy for a while. Some days you have like a really tight metaphor game and other days, I know for myself, I have some really janky metaphor days where like my metaphors suck and they don't resonate at all. But that day I was on point and I already had like an A-level metaphor that I was giving to him because I just felt like he needed a good metaphor. But then I took this up even higher and I started talking about using the renter versus owner mentality because this dude is in the process of having a bunch of Airbnbs. And so he knows what it's like and he renovates them. He takes care of them. So really the essence of it is the owner knows, the owner of anything knows that the responsibility lies on them. If something is broken, if something isn't working, if you got some bad tenants, whatever, that's on you. You got to deal with that. You can't outsource it when you're the owner. If you're losing money, you got to figure out how to make it work. Whereas a renter always has the option to kind of slip out, always has the option to kind of blame somebody else. And with sexuality, I've seen this happen again and again and again, where some people, they really get it. And they're like, this is my responsibility and I need to really suck it up and just start doing what I said that I would do. And those people are the ones that make leaps and bounds in terms of progress because they really feel like they can feel the consequences of their actions because they're the owner of their sexuality. And your sexuality has consequences that supersede you, that go beyond you, go past you. There's implications for other people, especially when you're watching porn, the people in the porn, they're the people in your lives. But I would say that most people are not the owner of their sexuality. And because of that, they're always kind of looking for a way out. They're kind of like, ah, this will work itself out. You're not an owner in that case. You don't have this spirit, the mentality of ownership in that case. Does that make sense to you, Benji? Yeah. And I think it's helpful to have some examples, maybe for this guy that mentoring talking with is there something they can share about this experience of what it's like to be an owner versus a renter yes yes but first i would like to zoom out a little bit more just because in our circle of people benji 
we talk about ownership, I think, more than we even realize because it's a part of our faith. As an owner of Chanogu, we have something in our faith, right, called the family pledge, which in the very beginning, the assumption is, as the owner, this is how I act. As the owner of this thing, this is what I do. And it doesn't work out for a lot of people because the presupposition is incorrect. They're not an owner of channel. In that circumstance, it means that as the owner of, of the new world that we're trying to create, here's how I speak to people. Here's how I treat my family as an owner. And I think that if we did something similar with our sexuality, we would get much better results. As the owner of my sexual organ, here's how I think I should treat myself and other people and so on and so forth. This is a huge part, I think, that's missing in most people's life. Even life of faith is that their life of faith is always like, hey, God, can you fix this mess that I created? And that's exactly the opposite of an owner. So you're looking for specific examples. There's one guy that I'm dealing with that he's really struggling with masturbation. He just got blessed, but he's separated from his wife. And he's kind of like in this midway position between wanting to get rid of masturbation as an offering to his new relationship that he's about to enter. They haven't sealed the deal yet as a couple. They haven't been together sexually and he would love to offer her his sexuality. But at the same time, he's been kind of kicking the can down the street and saying it's okay to masturbate here or there. And because of that, he's in this kind of uncomfortable position where he's not fully able to feel good about where he's at. But recently, I believe he made a statement saying, yeah, I'm going to really take ownership of this because I want to make my offering as amazing as possible. The time when we actually do start our sexual relationship as a couple, I want to be fully present with my faculties. And so I really want to be able to have those faculties under my control to give to somebody. So he's made a new determination based off of this concept. And I think it was still early on, but I have faith that he's going to do well in this. And the difference is that Imagine he's waited all these years, his whole life, to find the woman of his dreams that he can build a life with, but he's kind of still got these old habits that are lingering and always kind of making excuses for them. When you're in a rental car, you're not so worried about how clean are the seats because somebody else is going to clean them. But when you have a new car that you love, Benji, you're not letting somebody come in with nasty shoes and like, do you mind if I eat this disgusting, like greasy meal, like this fried chicken all over your brand new car? You're like, get out. You're not going to walk into a Lamborghini mm-hmm. with KFC, like a bucket of fried chicken. You're not. You're not going to do that because you're going to get kicked out of that Lamborghini if it's somebody else's. It's just you treat it differently if you really feel like you're the owner of something special. And I guess that's an important distinction is not just the owner, but the owner of something of value, a whole lot of value. You treat it differently. If you own a broken, rusty, jalopy car, it's different than owning a brand new, beautiful supercar. It's different. Well, I think for about the example of masturbation, you know, because we talk with people all the time about porn habit, masturbation habits, reasons, justifications, habits. And I guess one question I would ask someone in that situation is, what does ownership mean to you? Is ownership just having ownership and control of yourself? Or is it also just on the flip side of that, making sure that you're controlled by you? Because if someone has a habit like masturbation and ideally doesn't want to have it with them and wants and says things like, oh, I want to offer myself completely to my spouse, but at the same time is fundamentally being controlled by a habit and doesn't have full control of it, I would say that that's not the fullest level of ownership. That's accessible to you. 
and saying that's not the fullest potential of ownership. And I think that's really an important, also kind of a paradigm shift about, shift about ownership itself. It's not just about ownership, but it's also about not being controlled, but having control as well. That's a great ourselves. point. This other side of the word ownership is it's been misrepresented and ownership means control to a lot of people control especially in marriage that's why a lot of people are like marriage is a broken institution it's just people trying to control each other whereas that's the furthest thing from the truth that it could possibly mean because a one great definition from a one reverend moon was that the owner of something is the one who loves it the most and you own it not by title or by mind, but in heart. It's the one who cares most about something. So the true owner of something is the one who loves it the most. And so in terms of your sexuality, to be the owner of your sexuality means that you love yourself the most, that you're able to respect yourself the most as a gift to loving somebody else. You know that saying, like, you cannot give what you don't have. Like, if you don't love yourself, you can't really love another person. So if you are single, then it's fundamentally important that you first learn how to love yourself by treating yourself right, by respecting yourself as a foundation to be able to treat somebody else well, respect somebody else, and to love them. And so much of that is funneled through sexuality. How much you respect somebody really comes out through sex how much you honor them and love them and care about their needs comes out in this situation of sexuality. So it first starts by you practicing with yourself. And that means how do you think about yourself? How do you feel about yourself? And how do you treat yourself? It was an interesting conversation I had with Josh Fontaine and his wife, Rika. And I asked them what was their, and we just had them in a podcast here, right, as well. I asked them what was their the, the most important thing they were looking for in, in, a, in a potential partner, in a spouse. And they both said the same thing. They both said the only thing that really mattered to them was an unconditional commitment to make it work no matter what. And I was like, huh, that's a, a, another way of saying like absolute ownership of the relationship, no matter what. They were very clear about that part. And I think to society, there are certain, there's a certain notion that having that label, no matter what, is naive and like, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? You can never predict what might happen. Their like commitment means that every step of the way, they're going to be committed to growing through the process, no matter what. And then, so for me, that's another level of ownership of, like you were saying, another definition of ownership is to love something unconditionally. So having ownership of your marriage is I'm loving this marriage, I'm loving this person unconditionally, I'm loving this sexual relationship. And in fact, I was mentoring a guy who is married, he has a porn habit that he's brought into his relationship unintentionally. And it was kind of tormenting him for so long that he finally decided to, to tell his wife because it was hurting him. And he kind of always justified it. It was like, oh, it's not affecting our relationship. You know, everything's fine. And, and to the point, he just like, he couldn't hold it in himself anymore because he was so, he just felt so ashamed that he was keeping the secret. So he told his wife, right? God bless him, a good dude. And then his wife responded probably the worst way you could respond in the, in the way that you would want, not want your wife to respond. And she was good. Everyone responds differently, of course, and that's their, that's their prerogative. But she was, and basically, you know, they're, they're going through some tough times. But in the end, after having multiple months and weeks of talking about this point, they, both of them decided, you know what, no matter what, we're going to get through this, right? And they were seeking out help and support and, and she's seeking out support and they're realizing that 
there are people that have gone through this type of thing and even worse than that. And they've made out the other side even happier and healthier than they ever thought possible. And when they see that that's possible, they go, okay, this might be a pretty dire situation right now, but because they have that level of ownership in their relationship and their sexuality, it's like they're willing to work on it no matter what and come out the other side healthier and happier than they ever were ever before. And what's really beautiful, Andrew, is that this guy, what I think is beautiful is he's so committed to his own integrity and growth that he doesn't want to, you know, like people ask like, oh, should, should a couple like that be sexual when someone's in a porn habit or should they not? He volunteered, he's volunteering himself to not be sexually active with his wife at all during this period until she feels recovered and healed to the point where she's comfortable with that. And I thought that's like, that's another level of just true ownership and love for his wife that he's willing to receive a lot of backlash from his being honest with her and he's willing to be sexually abstinent from porn masturbation and actual physical sexuality until she feels in a place where their relationship is healing. During this, because I think that society, we have this general notion of no matter what doesn't work. Like you said, marriage is just, marriage sucks. Marriage doesn't work. It's not that marriage sucks, it's that people suck in marriage. That's the reality. <laughs> you know, it's that people suck in marriage. It's not, it's not that marriage itself is what's wrong. But if you have that commitment of like, I'm going to grow through this. And we covered that in an episode previously, which I, I thought was really cool, is that if growth is your goal, then happiness becomes the byproduct. Because no matter what someone goes through in life, if they take it with, how can I grow from this experience? It doesn't matter what you throw at them. That's like a truly resilient person. It doesn't matter what you throw at that person. They're going to grow from it and they're going to learn something. Yeah, great points. And we've said it before, but I think it's something that is very much downplayed. When people are going through the recovery process, they honestly, especially people who are single, they have this deeply held foolish belief that somehow things are going to work out on their own and somehow they're going to meet the right person that's going to fix them. And a lot of that is honestly, we're, we're told that in many ways, we're told, don't worry, the government will take care of you. Don't worry, somebody out there is going to save you. That's why we watch the most popular movies right now, superhero movies, where everyone is like a billion dollars guaranteed. It's because people are so much looking for a superhero to come save them. And that soothes us, knowing that somebody will fix our problems for us. And it's like a pacifier. But again, the difference between an owner and a renter is like, hey, you own this beautiful house, amazing. Well, what happens when the sewage line breaks and all this poo starts coming out and filling your basement with the most disgusting fluids you can imagine? That's still your house, even though it's not pretty anymore. Hey, there's an earthquake Mm -hmm. and now your house just got ripped in half. Still your problem. It's your responsibility. Honestly speaking, people come into marriage as a renter, not an owner in many cases, because they're like, when the problems arise, they're, they're looking for somebody else to fix their problems. And they might not be able to express that, but they're kind of looking around for like, hey, can somebody agree with me that my wife is a jerk or my husband's a jerk or whatever? And that is yep. you not taking responsibility for your own marriage. And so that starts with you learning how to take responsibility for the good stuff in your life and the difficult stuff. And in terms of sexuality, it's so crystal clear that if your sexuality is not in line with your ideals and who you want to be, nobody's coming to save you. That's like a very personal thing that only you can actually discover. And instead of viewing that as a burden, that's your gift. 
Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, you will probably really enjoy our other podcast, The Blessed Couple Podcast, where we talk about how to create a smashing marriage and experience God in the process. And yes, we talk a lot about sex. We have incredible guest speakers that I think you're going to really love. All you have to do is search for Blessed Couple Podcast on your favorite podcast player or just click the link in the description of this episode. Thanks. Back to the show. Your limitations are always a gift. It's an opportunity for you to grow. And growth never feels good while you're growing. It only feels good after you look back and be like, wow, I grew a lot. But in terms of sexuality, your limitations are your inability to control yourself, your inability to stop and really look at why am I feeling sexual right now? Your inability to speak before you act out with somebody that you love and respect in your life. These are all your limitations and they're an opportunity for growth that will help you so much when you do get married to become an owner because when problems arise and you take responsibility for them, then you are the owner. If problems arise and you try to escape them, you are now in the renter's position. That's a great analogy. I think that's a good analogy. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, we all have to look at these areas in our life because I would say that everybody has some aspect of their life that they're not taking full ownership over. Whether it's your physical health, a lot of people are like, eventually they'll come up with a pill that (laughs) helps me to not have to move ever again. It could be the mental health, spiritual Mm -hmm. health, your spirituality. Are you the owner of your spirituality? That's true. Owner of your vision, owner of your values, what you really want to do in your life. I was talking, I had a really interesting conversation yesterday with a good friend of mine. We were like in a group talking about like what's something you've always wanted to do with your life and and why haven't you done it yet? And one guy shared, he said, he's always wanted to write a book, but I haven't written it because I suck at writing. That's what he said. And then I drilled him. I was like, dude, what are you talking about? You can talk, can't you? And so he has this physical roadblock in his life that he believes I can't write and therefore I'm never going to write a book even though I really want to. And then I thought, do I have something like that? Do I have a roadblock that's physically limiting me from doing something that I've always wanted to do? And then I thought, my goodness, that's also another level of ownership. It's like if you have a vision for your life, something you want to do in your life, maybe it's something from God that God put into your heart, into your mind, into your life that you have a responsibility to bring to fruition. And if you have something that's blocking you, then that's your responsibility and that's your ownership. And if that guy's listening to this podcast, I hope he is, because I, I really did challenge him on it. And then I thought about myself. And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to start a music channel for YouTube with my wife and my, with my kids. And we just sing songs and we play songs because we like doing that kind of stuff anyways all the time at home. And just put it on the internet to share with people, you know, for no other reason than to share music because we enjoy it. And my reason was always because when I have the right studio or when I have the right equipment or when I have the right uh, amount of time to do it, then I'll do it. And then I thought, man, that's also another just complete block that I'm putting on on this project because I will never be less busy. I will just be more busy and I will never have the perfect equipment to do it. So I decided to do that. And that was me being out of integrity with my own beliefs and my own like vision for myself so anyways i just want to throw that out there if that resonates with anybody out there it's extremely important i had a complaint about the north star goal that it was too hard somebody was like it's too hard because people don't know what they want and it's like well that's the key problem don't you think like if you don't want know what you want out of life you're just gonna do anything you can to avoid life itself 
because it's a constant reminder of how you have no purpose. You need to have some purpose. It doesn't have to be in the West, especially in America, we have to conflate our purpose with some monetary gain. Like, can I make money off of it? But that, that's not what I'm talking about. The purpose is like something that allows you to fight, fight your laziness, fight your limitations, these limitations that are coming up. There needs to be a counter momentum. And unless you can tap into that counter momentum, you'll always be stuck right in place because those limitations have you stuck in place. But when we're younger and we have dreams, we're compelled to grow and try new things. And then we just kind of get used to being stuck. And that stuck energy breeds out here. It rains a lot. We're in the tropics right now and it's rainy season. And you can see a lot of moss growing and mold and all that. And even in, we have a swimming pool in the back. Unless it gets cleaned regularly, it can get pretty gruesome in there. And it's a breeding ground for bacteria and disease. And so that's our life. If we're not moving and flowing, then it starts to be still and then it breeds bacteria. And then that's where porn just becomes like, eh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And then you just start settling and settling and settling because you have nothing compelling you forward. The energy right in that space of settling, all the ideas that you have access to when you're there suck. They're not inspiring because you're not inspired. The emotions are very limited. The range of emotions that you can experience when you're stuck in life are very like low to medium. Nothing really great, nothing high, nothing wonderful. So the whole point is, how do you get out of that? Because you will always settle for porn, especially if you're single. The type of person that you end up settling with for life is a lot of times not the person that you could have had. You know, you end up being with somebody that you end up struggling a lot there's a lot less congruency because at the time of choosing, you guys are both here and you can both rise up. That is possible, but it just makes it for a lot harder to settle for something that you weren't really born for. And so I know a lot of people believe in destiny and all that, but part of destiny is fulfilling your destiny and that takes action. So anyway, in terms of sexual integrity, it's just really important that you look at the areas of your life where you're not taking ownership and really start reclaiming ownership, kicking out any deadbeat tenants in your life, like sluggishness, laziness, compulsive social media. These are all tenants that are not paying rent. They're occupying your space. You kick them out. You kick them out. You become the owner and you say, hey, here's how we're going to use our mind today, our heart, our body, our spirit today. And watch what happens. The energy that comes to you, the desire to want to zone out becomes much less it's a really amazing thing to behold. I want to talk about growth, this idea of like always taking ownership and always progressing and not getting stuck and stagnant. I feel like there's a code or there's an equation that we can crack about how to become somebody that always seeks that kind of growth and development because it's somewhat of a character trait that people have and some people lack, right? And so how do we develop and help people develop the ability to regardless of what situation they're in, see how can I take ownership? How can I grow and help you develop? Because I think we all know people, maybe even our families or friends who are like just stuck in a relationship and they just blame the other and say they're never going to change and therefore they're never changing either. I think that'd be a cool conversation because like as a parent, I'm also always trying to think about how do I develop that character trait in my own children of helping them seeking out to grow, giving them the fire and desire to grow in every situation. Because if you have that trait, then no matter what life throws at you, you will still be happy. What did you want to say to wrap up? 
Well, I just want to say, fellas and, and ladies, that we're always trying to find new ways ourselves to become owners of this high noon providence. And not because we think we're better than anybody, but because we just want to take responsibility for it. That's why any of us work at High Noon is because we feel responsible for the people that we know and we want to help you guys. But I do feel like there's a bit of a, an energy around surrounding the people who have been in High Noon for quite some time that they feel like they've reached some sort of pinnacle. And I would just challenge you to use this analogy of renter and owner as a way of evaluating your life and see where you're on autopilot, where you're just making excuses and start reclaiming those one by one so that you can be a full owner of your life and watch what happens then. We all know that porn and sexual deviance is just a byproduct of not being connected to the person that you want to be. So if you start reclaiming your life, that's when you start answering that question of who you'd rather be. So good luck with that. And if you ever run into anything, Benji, I got to say, people are starting to email us more, get back to us mm -hmm. and thank us. Uh, so just keep it up. If you guys have any breakthroughs or if you've noticed any limitations, reach out to us and we can uh, help you out. Check out Andrew at highnoon.org if you want to send an email to him. <laughs> yeah. Benji at poo.com. Don't go to that website. All right, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. I'll see you all later. See you in the next episode. Hey, before you go, I wanted you to consider checking out High Noon Connect. So if you go to our website, highnoon.org, you'll notice, first of all, we have a brand new website, which is beautiful. And also, you'll notice that there's the opportunity to join High Noon Connect. The essence of what High Noon is morphing into is a community. We are better together, and sexual integrity involves other people, okay? If you're struggling with pornography, you need the help of brothers and sisters, of people in a community dedicated to helping lift you up. And even if you're not, if you're in a relationship and you just want more intimacy, more love, more joy, or if you're single and you just want to be a person that can live according to their values in the area of sexuality and you want to be around a group of people who are fighting in the same way, then please go to highnoon.org and sign up for High Noon Connect. There's a free version and a paid version. We want to make this as accessible as possible. And we're a nonprofit, so we're not trying to make a buck here. We're just trying to create a community off of Facebook that gives a focused conversation, focused energy, focused attention on building sexual integrity as a cultural intention. So go to highnoon.org. We'll see you there.